All right, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Man, I am so glad to see all of you. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, thank you guys for letting me take a sabbatical uh, with the fam. I know that it was really great for my wife to have me at home with the children for like 24-7. And it makes me really grateful to be back. So I'm just super, super grateful for that uh, reminder of how blessed I am to be at the church for most of the day. All right, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, one of the things I want you to know, first off, my name is Chris Pleckenpole. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so, like I said, pumped to be here. And one of the things that I love is we're going to get this back rocking and rolling. Pastor Plex podcast is ready for you to listen in, and we love questions. And they could be controversial, they could be about the sermon, they could be inside about spiritual stuff, it could be anything, uh, it could be who you're picking for the Super Bowl this year, uh, it could be anything. So love for you to text in and we'll have that number up uh, for the rest of the time. Now, um, a couple things uh, coming up is a focus. So every year, if you guys didn't know this, we have a thing called focus, which is like our focus for the year. And this year it's What's your calling? So the theme of the year is figure out what your calling is in every aspect of your life. And so we're going to talk about what your calling is as a human being, first off. We're going to talk about your, what's your calling vocationally. We're going to talk about what's your calling as a church member person. What's your calling in relationships? Okay, so that's kind of where we're going overall in this series. But this series should hopefully dominate Dominate sounds like a weird word, but man word. Uh, dominate the rest of the year. All right, that's that's where we're going. Uh, and so I want to, so specifically, we're talking about what you're calling as a human is where we're starting off today. And when I was in college, I think some of you guys know that I went to the military academy, and so our days were really regimented. And so you get up at five, and you you're supposed to have lights out at uh, twenty three thirty or eleven thirty p.m. But you'd really probably go to bed at two, just because you had a lot of work to do. And uh, I remember one night my, my, when I was a junior, I looked over at my roommate. His name was Hayward Davis. I'll never forget this conversation. I look over at Hayward and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? And he had his Bible out. I know, shocking, right? He, you know, I guess at the time I was like 20, all right? And he had his Bible and he was reading it during evening study period. All right. I know none of you are looking, looking shocked at me. Okay, hold on. We had, I was a mechanical engineering major. He was a major that was hard. And so I'm sure it was. Anyway, I, I, I was like, what are you doing? Don't you understand? You have more important things to do. Don't you have to study? And then uh, this is a little bit of my pride in me because I was a mechanical engineering major. In fact, I chose mechanical engineering. So people would ask me, what's your major? I'd be like, mechanical engineering. And they'd be like, oh, that's so hard. I'm like, I know. And that, that was like the whole reason why I chose that. I have issues beyond. Anyway, that's issue. That's another sermon another time. Anyway, so I go, what are you doing? Don't you have anything more important to do? Don't you have homework? Don't you have to be studying? Don't you have to be doing something? And he goes, no, there's nothing more important than this. And I go in my head, I didn't have time for a conversation about that, but I filed it away as that's weird. And I went back to uh, being engrossed in um, thermodynamics. Okay. So that's kind of where I was. And what I, I saw in that moment was somebody that was so wrapped up in something that I didn't necessarily care about. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not against reading your, at least I'm, I'm not like anti-Bible, or at least I wasn't at that time. I wasn't like anti-Bible, but I was like, bro, we got to graduate. You know what's more important than reading your Bible? Graduating. 
Because you have got to, you're going to go into the army and if you don't get good grades, you get stuck at some lousy armpit post and you're not going to like it. You are in for a world of hurt if you don't put the Bible down and pick up your textbook and start learning something. Okay? And it was just such a weird thing. Now, because in my head, the most important, most valuable thing you could do was spend time doing the thing that would get you ahead the furthest and the fastest. And, and if we're honest, I think this is where when it comes to our calling and our purpose in life, we struggle. And we, we don't, and listen, even as Christians, like, okay, even as Christians, we struggle with this. Why? Because Jesus has nothing to do with our calling. You're a software program. You're like, no, I haven't seen Jesus at work lately. I mean, Jesus is in the, in the binary ones and zeros. He is in church on Sunday and you separate that. <laughs> And so what you would say is, Chris, Chris, I appreciate that, but I do church on Sunday. Listen, I'll even go to one of your community groups. Okay, fine. I'll even, I'll even give to the thing so you can do that. And what we miss out on is that Jesus is something way bigger and way better and unbelievably grander than you could ever imagine. It has everything to do with your calling. Okay? Or we struggle to stay connected to Jesus in our calling because our calling is found in our activities that make me happy. Listen, I got some video games to play, and I would love to read my Bible at some point. I, listen, I read at least once a month when you, get, when you make us read it on Sunday. Hey, I pray before meals, connected. But what I really kind of brings me this thing that makes me feel alive is when I am crushing it on my, the latest, greatest video game, and I'm pulverizing the competition of the guys I play online with, the people I've never actually met, but they're fun. This can go to streaming. You, you name the hobby, golf. It could be you know, watching the stock market. It could be whatever the thing is. Or how about this? Um, our calling is found in relationships that give me love. And listen, if you're a young adult, which a lot of us are, you're like, listen, don't, you don't understand. Once I find the one, once I f- lock that down, then I'll get to the Jesus stuff. And then eventually... And we'll talk about this in a bit. You get married and you're like, they all lied. The movies were a lie. Okay, that's a, okay, we'll keep going. All right, so we're going to be in John chapter 15, okay? We're going to be in John chapter 15, and we're going to be asking God, how is it that we are supposed to interact? What is our calling when it comes to being human, when it comes to being Christian, And if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you at all. And I'm so glad that you're here um, because you're going to be like, oh, so that's what Christians are supposed to be about. Because I think what happens for a lot, can we just be real? What happens is um, non-Christian people who are like, "Ah, I mean, Jesus is cool, but it's not really my thing. What happens, you see Christians not acting like Christians because they don't abide. And so then you judge Jesus based on those Christians. So you're like, yep, hypocrites, all a lot of them. And then you move on. Because you want nothing to do with that. And I want us to to realize and understand that Jesus is far more than a hobby on Sunday and a feel-good, okay? It is life itself. All right, or he is life itself. All right, so we're going to get into that. So John 15, if you don't have a Bible, there's one around you somewhere under the chair in front of you. We'd love for you to read along with us. We're going to pray real quick and ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you. We worship you. We ask you, would you speak clearly? 
God, leave us at a place as, as we're interacting with your word, as we're loving you with our whole heart, as we are wanting to experience joy, as we're wanting to experience love, that we will learn how to figure that out in the calling that you've given us. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you. Amen. All right, here we go. John 15, verse 1. Here we go. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father's is the vine dresser. So Jesus is a true vine. This is a metaphor, ladies and gentlemen. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, we all know this is a metaphor. Nobody's going like, wait, God is like a, he's an actual vineyard owner? Like, it was like, daddy, does God have feet? You know, it's like one of those questions. It's like, we have, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. This is a metaphor. The reason why this is important is I'm not making a statement about the Trinity with this. Jesus wasn't making a statement about the Trinity with this. There's a one theological thought that we're wanting to kind of understand, and that's this whole concept of abiding. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk more about that word. But we're not learning about the Trinity this morning. We're not, also, we're not also learning about salvation, if you can lose it or keep it. That's not what this message is about. Okay, so there's other, like, you know, I believe in eternal security, and I could go there with this, but it's the right truth, wrong address. You, right, you with me? And I think we do this with, we butcher the Bible all the time when we try and pull out, a, see, it says right here, proof text it with something that's not really a proof text. With me? So I'm going to make that point over and over again. That's my, my theology moment of the moment. So help me out here, okay? So Jesus is the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. The reason why this couldn't be Trinitarian is that makes some different substances. Vine, like plant, Father is a dude, okay? Different substance, and we all know the it's same substance, uh, distinct persons. Okay, here we go. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, remember, this could also be he lifts up to prune, or it could mean he rips it out and he throws it into the fire. Again, it's this, who cares? Doesn't matter because it's not getting to the primary point, which is abiding, he does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear uh, more fruit. Now, I'm about to do something really nerdy. Can, I, can we go nerdy? Yeah. We're, we're already here, right? All right, so that, all right, this is the word that, I know that looks like an I, but when you put this little thingy in front of it, it makes it an H, okay? So it's a henna, all right? So the henna clause. Henna clause, when it's talking about a person, describes a person, when it's talking about like, bearing fruit, and then a henna, it may bear more fruit. It, so you prune, why? To bear more fruit, it gives purpose. So in this section of scripture, we're going to be talking about purpose, which is, fits right into the sense of the word calling. So we're going to see this word that a lot, pointing to what you're calling, pointing to what your purpose is. So your purpose, the vine dresser just doesn't plant a vineyard because like, man, I don't know, I just got bored, I want to plant a vineyard. No, he wants some fruit. He wants to make some wine. He wants to have a party. He wants to sell. He wants to have some grapes. He wants to make some money. He's doing something with the fruit, and that's the purpose. Branches bear fruit. If they don't, they get chopped off because that's not doing them any good. Vine dresser has a point and a purpose. You with me? All right, so you, you are the branches, and you've got a job to do, and that's bear some fruit. Okay. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. In other words, this isn't about your salvation. You're already saved. You got that. Abide in me, and I in you. And you're going to see this over and over again. Are right, you guys ready for some plant nerdness? Okay, ready? Who knows what phloem is? Okay, all right. Plant blood. My man Trey, he knows what phloem is. Phloem is like what connects the, 
branch to the vine, the vine to the branch. And every, you, ready for some like eighth grade science? Photosynthesis, that's from the leaves. They, take in the, they eat light. They eat light and they pass down the power and the energy to the vine. And the vine like sucks up dirt nutrients and it goes right. And they are, I and you, you and me. And that's how it is with Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. Okay, now you're, you're with me so far. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. So you clip off a branch. It's green for a little bit. But then about a week later, it's all brown and crusty and hard. Like my iPad, right? My, my iPad doesn't, it doesn't do well disconnected from power for like, I've got about 20 minutes, okay? And in about 20 minutes, this becomes a paperweight. So I've got, you know, that's why I got to rush this thing through so I can get connected to power again. All right. All right. So what happens is I abide in you, you and me. And what happens is that we now are connected and there's this thing that is, that's where my power comes. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides, unless it's plugged in, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, Jesus called us to abide in him to be fruit bearing branches. Now, This doesn't mean that you are a fruit-bearing branch, so you get plugged in. It's like you brought something to the table. No, you are in him to be a fruit-bearing branch. So your salvation isn't dependent upon you. He chose you. We're going to get that more of that in a second. Now, here's what happens um, when we, we talk about this. You were saved for a purpose. Now, when I was in my 20s, I thought, like, God put me on the team because I had something to offer the church. The church was a little dated. It needed a little more pep in the step. The songs really need some, come on, let's, we need a little, need a little energy here. All right. Uh, we need to kind of help some people out. The old people were talking too long. The young people need to kind of have a little more oomph. Uh, it was a little bit, you know, weird, right? And so, especially as a person that was, didn't really grow up in church, you just come to these things, you're like, oh my gosh, what words are you guys using? Like, uh, Man, we need some work. We have some work to do, and I'm here to help you out, right? I think that's what happened. I think, at least, I don't know, maybe that's you as now as a 20-something. You're like, man, we just got to help this place out. I don't know. All right, and so we all go through that phase. It's like you're a stage-cage Calvinist. You're a stage-cage church revivalist, and you're going to help us out. I appreciate that because I was in that same place. But what this is is rather that Jesus has called you for a specific purpose to be used by him, not necessarily to fix stuff, but for something to be fixed in you. Now, this is what I love about Ephesians 2.10. It says, you are his workmanship, like craftsmanship, masterpiece, creating Christ Jesus to do what? Do good works. You guys get that. Okay, so, so that, means, that means this, okay? So there is the vine, Jesus. There is the branch, uh, which is you. And then your fruit, which is the purpose, right? So here it is, Jesus, disciple, purpose. Got it. You guys got this. And what happens is, I think for a lot of you, you think, listen, we all, we all had this moment, that if you are connected to the vine, like you're really into Jesus, you're going to end up in Africa. Like, I, listen, um, have you really thought about, you? no, I don't want to even go there, because if I get too close to Jesus, I know I'm going to be stuck there. And listen, can I just tell you, can I tell you something, for all, just for the missionaries I know, I don't know one missionary that's like, man, it was true. I started talking to Jesus. Next thing you know, I get sent off to Siberia. It wasn't the plan. It's miserable out here. I hate my life. 
Not, not one have I ever talked to that said that, okay? So I feel like there's this weird fear about hearing from God about your specific calling. But listen, and, li- and I'm not talking about magic, but there is a little bit of a mystery in it. In that, Remember, James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And if you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, there should be a part of talking to him to find out what that work is. And I'm not talking about primarily vocational work. I'm talking about the work that God has for you that transcends, watch this, that transcends uh, like you being a missionary somewhere, although everybody's a missionary somewhere. Here's what I mean by that. Um, When you're connected to Jesus, you're always waiting for your next assignment. I remember when I was in the military, the people that had the greatest effect on me moving from military to ministry were not pastors. They were co-workers. There were guys, one guy was a year older than me, and I kind of got upset that he was a year younger, older than me, but like a billion years older spiritually. Like I was like, and you're a way better person than I am. Why is that true? And uh, one of those guys, Randy, Randy, Randy Johnson, not the pitcher, but he was a military officer. And uh, Randy was, was always, I mean, everywhere we go, he would have this godly perspective. And, but what was weird about it, he was not only better than me at being a spiritual person, as if it's like, you know, a competition, because you know how guys are. It's just, ah, crud, you're better than me. All right. Um, but he was a better army officer than me. Like he, like when he looked at um, a map, like he would come alive. And he would, he would start being able to see things strategically. And we were in operations uh, together, and we were both co-workers. And I was really great at PowerPoint. He was great at everything else, okay? So, so I would just, like, take whatever he said, and I'd put it into a PowerPoint. I'd be like, look, sir, here it is. And they'd be like, well done. Anyway, so then what would happen is I would just lit there, and I'd watch him. And listen, this is where it's tough. If you're, like, one of the kooky Christians, it's sort of weird, and you're not really good at anything, God bless you, I'm glad you're here, but what happens is, is you sort of detract from what Jesus has offered, because you're not living in your calling. You're more, what what happened, remember, kooky Christians in general, the ones that are like, are talking about Jesus, but their life looks nothing like it, and they're just poor workers, and you don't show up on time, and you don't follow through. It makes you go, just shut up about the Jesus stuff, because you're making us look bad. Remember, this is Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work as if you're working for the Lord, not for man. Remember? So I, I think there's a lot of us that sort of like, we love the Christian label. I don't know if that got you some points when you're growing up in like Awanas. But what happens is, is that you somehow detract from the glory of God when you are not presenting him as someone who works hard and you're in your calling and you're doing what God has made you to do. And so you can do that as a software engineer and you're good at it. You can do that as a program manager, as a project manager. You can do that over and over. And it's an incredible experience to watch somebody in their calling. It makes me go, man, let me study the way that you study uh, from a vocational standpoint. But let me study what you study from a, your heart. It never seems to get flooded. This is a free one, man. Study your craft. Don't come in late. You represent Jesus. And people are going to learn about who Jesus is from the way that you reflect him. Abide. That's what that means, to abide. And so, so there is this connection that you're, you're living out your calling for him, and it should make you a more joyful person. Did you guys know that? 
Like, it, you shouldn't be the guy, man, we're at work today, kick. Gosh, can you believe, and you're just talking bad about everybody that's around you because, listen, I get it. I, I was in the Army. We had bad leadership everywhere. That was just, like, standard. And so what happens if you sort of reflect that, it's like, yeah, we're just, like, in the, in the all, most awful place on the planet. I, there's nothing we can do. Then what happens is you miss out on being a representation of Jesus because it looks like Christians are just crybabies and whiners. Is that too personal? All right, keep moving. All right, so here it is. So watch, we want joy. So how do we get it? How do we get that joy? How do we find that fulfillment? Here it is. I am the vine. He's going to repeat this statement. It's like, didn't you already say it? Yes, he already said it. He's repeating it because it's important. You are the branches, in case you forgot. Whoever abides in me and I in him. We're having a theme here, the phloem thing going back and forth. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You are a paperweight or you're a, a dead twig. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. This isn't you're going to hell. This is a point that the metaphor is you need to be plugged in to have power to bear fruit. All right. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. I think he's... Are we hammering this? You guys getting this part? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, this is where we take this out of context. We go, let me pull this part out. Ask whatever you wish. I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it because it's mine. If you abide me and my words abide in you. So you're essentially repeating back to Jesus his own words. You with me? Ask whatever you wish. That, that is the point. It's like, why? Why are we doing this? It will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that. Henna claws right here. Bam. This is purpose. Here's the purpose. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When you bind him, his words bind you, you ask for stuff, you get it. By this, you bear more fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That's the purpose, to bear fruit. And you get connected because you're connected. Okay, watch. Now watch this. These things, the abiding stuff, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Henna claws right here and henna claws right here that your joy may be full. The I am you, you and me. My joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Now watch this. Jesus called his abiding branches to bear joy. So your fruit your fruit, like here's what God wants. You're creating Christ Jesus. You're his workmanship to do good works. And the fruit that you're going to bear is joy. So stop being whiny. Because if you're whiny, it's reflecting. You're not proving to be his disciple. Is that awkward? And when you're rolling around at work talking about how pitiful and miserable your life is, what happens is like people are going like, so where's that joy again you talk about? Look, 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 it's, it's like this. You guys remember, um, okay, here's one. Toy Story. Right, here it is. You, this is the fruit you're bearing, joy. All right, so here it is. Toy Story, here's what I want us to get. The toys, remember, it's a metaphor. Well, no, it's not a metaphor. It's more of a personification. It's a persona, I had to go through my English lit real quick. Personification. And so you've got these toys, and they're given personalities. So you've got, you know, Andy's the boy, and you've got Woody is the primary toy. And Woody gets depressed and needs toy Prozac. When? When does he need it? When he's about to be put into the attic or given away to some sort of goodwill thing, and he won't be used by his boy because his joy, 
His purpose was in bringing his kid joy. You with me? Watch this. When you are not joyful, you are not living in purpose. And if we go back to Hebrews, it was the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross. What was the joy? It was you. No, no, think about that. The joy that was set before him caused him to endure the cross. Even though he despised the shame, he took it because you were that important to him. His joy in you, your joy in him. And so it kind of reverberates. When the toy is played with, it brought the toy joy, it brought Andy joy. And that's how it is, right? Like, so let's personify our video games. When you are there enjoying, you know, Smash Brothers, the, the crushing of all your enemies, and you used like Link because, you know, you're old school, and there's this reality that you are a victor, there's a joy that you get, and the video game gets joy if it could be personified. Same thing. When you watch the show, joy. When you do the thing, activity, it brings you joy. Now, here's the problem. When it's disconnected from Jesus, all those things that bring you joy in the moment bring you great depression afterwards when it's cut off and you go back to reality. And the great news is about Jesus, he is reality. All right, so look at this. He becomes your sustaining power. Now, okay, we're at Olympic time frame, so every time you're in Olympic time frame, you have to talk about Eric Liddell. That's like, pretty much you have to do it as a pastor. So if you're not familiar with Eric Liddell is, back in the day, like 40s, he, um, or 30s, he was an Olympian for Britain, and he, uh, he won the gold medal, all right, as a runner. And he wouldn't compete uh, on Sunday. And so what happened with him is that, but he still won on another event, and his sister at one point goes, why are you chasing after the, the fame and the glory and all that? And this is what Eric said, and this is the classic line, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I'm doing what, I, you know, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I, God made me smart, and when I'm putting my smarts on paper, I feel his pleasure. God made me good at managing people. And when I'm managing them well and I'm taking on an issue and I'm taking on a problem and I fix and I handle it, I'm like, mmm, I can feel the Lord working through me. Do you see that? In fact, here's what it is about, you know this about when you're living on purpose, you're never tired and you're never poor. Did you know that? When you're living on purpose, you're never tired. This isn't even like a Christian concept. This is just reality. You're never tired because this is why workaholics can work because they're they are feeling the purpose. They're gonna, whether it's to make the money or they just love the thing, they're making a difference and they love it and they're in it. And it's like, mm, I can never stop doing this. And, and even if you're poor and you're, you're an entrepreneur and you're like, you're, you see the vision, you're, you're in it and you don't even care what the sacrifice you need to make because there's something greater that you're working for, right? Everybody knows that. But when it comes to Jesus, it's even better because this is what, this is what people say, like, um, like extreme sports people, like let's say someone's like a motocross racer and they do like a bazillion flips, they go across dirt tracks and whatnot. And you go, that's crazy. You could kill yourself. And the person's like, at least I'm doing what I love. Or someone's like extreme sport, like rock climbing, you know, think of something more crazy than that. Uh, skydiving, right? You're just like, you're like, I just, when I'm doing that, I just feel alive. And if, I, if that's the way I want to go out now, What's weird, Eric Liddell, who felt God's pleasure as he, was, as he was running, also was a missionary to China and died as a martyr. 
And usually when you tell that, it's like, wah, 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 sad story. Unless you go, at least he was doing what he was born to do. And he made a difference in that little Chinese concentration camp. And he changed lives for the power of Christ. And we're still telling his story today. Not because he um, achieved something really great on this earth, but that his joy was full. And I think the struggle with you and for me is that we get to places where our joy isn't full because it's not full of Jesus. It's full of the next thing. It's like Tom Brady. Tom, what Super Bowl was your favorite? The next one. And eventually when Tom turns 75, he's going to retire. <laughs> and you're going to watch Tom go, I don't know, what's next? My, my grandfather, who was super successful, he, he retired at like 85 and then died at 86. Why? Working kept him alive. And here's what I want you to see about the gospel is that when you are in it, you're alive. When you're remaining in him, your joy is full so that you're never tired and you're never poor and you don't care because you have something far greater. It's this vertical fruit, joy, joy. Now, listen, and I think this is where, kind of like just happens for a lot of men. I'm not sure if this happens for women quite as much, but I know it happens for men. Church is boring. Boring, boring, boring. Come here, listen to Chris talk, blah, blah, blah. Durka, 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 Muhammad Jihad, move on, right? Like, I think that's what happens for a lot of us, all right? If you know what that means, you're a bad person. Okay, all right, so what happens is, is that what happens is that you, if you think church is boring and Jesus is not the source of your joy, watch this, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. That's not Christianity, that's something else, but it isn't Christianity. It's the most exciting thing. It's, it's getting to know your maker who, who made you for a purpose and a specific reason. And when you walk in that, you're alive. Mm, love it. And so that's the vertical fruit. So what's the horizontal fruit? Watch this. We're going to go to verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, so kind of that you and me, me and you thing. It's now coming in this thing of external. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he's going to go into this. This is what soldiers quote all the time. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so we first get that from Jesus who lays his life down for those who would follow after him. Isn't that beautiful? That's love. I'm going to lay my life down for you. And again, this isn't like the Christians haven't cornered the market on this. This is about soldiers who have no God, trust me, and don't care about that. And they come from different backgrounds, different political spectrums, and they will put their life on their line for a brother in need because that's just what you do as a soldier. And so this concept is true across the board, whether you're a Christian or not. However, it becomes specifically Christian on this next line, which makes every awkward if your friend ever says this to you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Only Jesus can say that. If one of your friends says, you're my friend if you do what I command, then you just walk away. I'm very so, hey, I'm going to go over here now. Jesus is unique in this. And so he's going to give us, so why do, you call us, why do you call us friends if I still have to do what you're told? Because no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You are inside track. And then he's going to say something that makes uh, Christians sometimes really nervous. You didn't choose me. You, you didn't bring anything to the table. I chose you. 
and appointed you that you should do what? Go and bear fruit. Hannah Claus, that your fruit should abide. So never pull the fruit off the tree. It's going to abide. I'm not sure exactly how that works because remember, that's where you lose the metaphor meaning. All right. So your fruit's going to abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. Remember, it goes back to you can ask whatever you want because your fruit is abiding. Your joy is abiding. And then we're going to talk about your love is abiding. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Purpose clause. Here we go. Purpose. Your fruit's going to abide. You ask whatever you want. Why? So that everyone's going to know how to love one another. So this is the part that we struggle with, right? We need joy. We all want joy. We all want to be fulfilled. That's something we pray for. God, please, I want to feel fulfilled, and he will give it to you. And the other thing we want is we want to be loved. We want to be someone to love. Everybody wants that. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So in other words, Jesus called his abiding branches to bear love. So let's check that out. That's the love. Jesus, you, and you bear love. It's the horizontal component of the fruit. Now, do you guys remember, um, I've been listening to Uncle Charlie sing um, Fruit of the Spirit with my children for about over and over, so I've got the song memorized. Fruit of the Spirit's not an apple. You with me? And then it goes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Wait, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. All right, I'd say it really fast or else I forget it. But the first two is love and joy. Love and joy, and here it is. We just talked about joy. Now we're on love, and you can interchange those two. It's the vertical and then the horizontal. Isn't that beautiful about the fruit that you should, be, you should be bearing? One is vertical with Jesus. The other is horizontal with people. Now, here's the problem we have with love. We think of love not as a fruit that comes from us, but as a treasure that we find or a pit that we fall into. That's how we view love. It's something that someone is going to add to your life, not something that you are going to give. Okay? So, so hang with me. Hang with me. This is why when I talk to uh, married people in counseling or whatever, they, they say something to the effect of, he was amazing, he was great, and then he changed. Um, and one of my new favorite quotes is this. It's not that the person you married is now being fake. You married the real thing, but you were dating a fake. Stole that from Paul Tripp. But that's true. Like, I think what happens, you, and this, listen, this is part of our culture, right? Our culture is this. I'm going to put, and listen, you do this for job interviews. Hey, can you uh, do TPS reports on top? Absolutely. And then you go look up what a TPS report is, right? That, that's how we operate. <laughs> And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you're going to at least learn it, show up, and eventually, if you don't get it, if you don't know the TPS report, you're out, you're fired, right? Like, that's how that works in the job world. We all, nobody has a problem with that. The problem was, is though, in our dating culture, it's like antithetical to our marriage culture. Dating is, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to somehow make you an accessory to my life. Let's see, like, do you have any debt? Oh, I don't do debt. Okay, uh, are you really good with kids? Because, you know, I need someone who's really good with kids. Are, are you, are you going to, like, you, are you making it? Are you moving forward in this thing? Are you going to, are we going to have to worry about money later? Are we going to have to worry about love? Do you, what's your family at? Because, you know, I don't have to deal with the in-laws. What are you bringing to the table? Okay, and then we get married and we're like, whoa, what did you bring to the table? Okay. That's, that's how it is. And li- listen, we do this with friendships. We do this all sorts of stuff. And the problem with that is it's, 
We're trained like that. And so this is why um, love is a fruit that comes from you as opposed to something you're going to find or fall into. That's why, in fact, in Ephesians 5, it says, walk in love, don't fall into it. Now, here's what happens to me as a pastor. I get this a lot. I'll have a, a guy come up to me like, and this, this isn't a specific story about someone, but if it's you, then I'm not telling your story on purpose. Okay. A guy calls me up. He's like, hey, I met, listen, Chris, I found the one, and I'm moving. I'm going to go be with her. Uh, you know, it's a state uh, across the country. I'm moving to Boise, and I found the one. I'm like, oh, awesome. How long have you, have you known her? Oh, man, six, seven months. I'm like, oh, great. How long in person? Well, eight days. Oh, eight days, eight days. Okay, that's awesome. So did you sleep with her? Well, listen, it, you know, things happen. And I didn't really know. So you're telling me that God answered your prayer to give you a person that would sleep with you within moments of meeting them. And now you're going to move across the country. And so what you, and to follow them. And you're like, look what Jesus has done. As opposed to saying, this is what I'm doing now. Jesus, you bless it because that's what you do. Bless me now. You're my genie in a bottle, Jesus. Get to work. This is what I'm doing. Now tell me it's okay. Is that what we do or what? I think that's our whole culture, right? Jesus, would, Jesus wouldn't want you to. No, Jesus wants me to have what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And he would not tell me no. Jesus, bless it. That makes you God. And this is the problem, I think, with Christians in our culture today is that we've sort of taken that uh, the sort of like mantle of like expressing what real love is. It's doing what I want, what I want, how I want, with whom I want. And Jesus, you better bless it or get off the train. You're not real. That's the struggle. And so what happens, let's, let's take it outside the context of marriage or take it outside the context of relationship. Let's just take it to the way that you view people that you work with, view people in your family, view people, and you're just like, hate them. Then what you're saying is you have an expectation that they, it's something you can't even control, that they're going to love you the way you need to be loved as opposed to Jesus, because you're abiding in him, is bearing you a fruit that's going to be a horizontal in its impact and blessing because you have this fruit that's vertical, connects you to him. Two primary fruit that we're talking about here, joy and love, that then the rest of the fruit, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, all sort of emanate from this abiding. And when you don't abide, you don't have self-control. When you don't, when you don't abide, you're not gentle. When, you're, when you don't abide, you become really angry. And you become a jerk. And you become the very thing that Jesus was not for. Love, or rather joy, love. Those are the fruit of the spirit that comes from abiding in Jesus. And this is your purpose. This is what you are called to be and do. Now, the thing I want you to recognize or wrap your head around is, I think sometimes, especially as I'm talking about this, you go, so what you're saying is I got to, have joy, conjure up some joy, and I got to love people. God, that's impossible. You and I go, listen, it comes back to the thing of if you start focusing on the fruit and not focusing on the abiding, it is impossible. 
And here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can't have joy. You can't love one another until you understand how loved you were, that Jesus came. He died on that cross. He rose from the dead. That if you put your faith in him, he changes you from the inside so that you bear fruit out. That's the beauty of the gospel. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. Who or what are you abiding? I know some of you grammar Nazis just go, I think that's supposed to be whom. All right. Who or what are you abiding in? All right. Who or what? Is it Jesus? Is it that guy, that girl, that work, that thing? What, do you, what gives you the place of like, I'm finally at peace. Oh, I have joy. I can just rest. Is that streaming? Is that video games? Is that fantasy football that's coming in a couple weeks? Is that your stock market trade? What is that thing? If it's not Jesus, you can get dried up. If it's not Jesus, you go from having power to being a paperweight. And so if you're not a Christian this morning, my hope is that you would believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. He rose to then simply ask him, say, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I can't do it on my own. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. And he will. And if you are a Christian and you've been abiding in other stuff, it might be time to repent. That's a scary word in our modern culture. Let's repent. And one of the way we're going to do that is Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, and we're going to take communion together at some point. You have like little circle cuppy things. Don't have to grab it right now. I'm going to explain it, and then we'll get into it. But Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, you feed on Jesus. Like your body feeds on bread. Your soul feeds on Jesus. Like your body feeds on bread. And that same night, he took the cup. So this is my blood shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And when you do, you remember that Jesus, in his joy, died for you. Rose from the dead. And in his joy, gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to love one another. And apart from his blood being shed, you are hopeless. Because eventually, you're going to retire. Eventually, you're going to die. And eventually, you're going to meet him. And that's my hope for you, is that you would say, Jesus, transform me from the inside out. I need you. And if today is the day that you, maybe for the first time, accepted Christ, I want you to take communion with us. But right now, we're going to take about 30 seconds, we're going to pray and then take about 30 seconds to ask Jesus to cleanse our hearts to repent and then take communion together with him. Would you guys pray with me? Father, uh, I know that there might be somebody here who doesn't know you. I'm begging and I'm pleading with you. Jesus, will you, will you open up some hearts this morning? Holy Spirit, would you do a great work? Would you um, take a dead man, take a dead woman and bring them life? Would they come to believe that 
your son died on that cross and rose to the dead and in you is life and then from them can come two fruit joy love Lord we wouldn't look to accessorize ourselves with joy from things or love from people but look to have it from within because you are building it because we're abiding in you Father um, I'm praying that this morning we'd just rejoice in that Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to confess sin to God. And at the end of that, uh, we're going to take communion together. Our church wants to help you do just that. Over the next uh, month, we're going to be uh, having scripture read online every morning, and you can tune into that. And we want to ask you questions where you start to invigorate and fuse your life with the gospel every day. Let's just try that for the next 28 days. We're going to go read one chapter of Matthew every day together online. And I hope that that would be a spur to push you forward to abiding in him to produce joy, love. Imagine what would happen if we had joy and love. Imagine how that would affect you personally, how it would affect you at work, how it would affect your family, how it would affect your neighborhood, how it would affect this city. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who live out your calling to abide in Jesus. Go and be a people who have great joy vertically with him, no matter what your circumstances all around. And go and be a people who look to assert love near and far, left and right, to push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent. Run to the